G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations, Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. It is among the most beloved and powerful portions of God's Word. Today, we begin a very, very special series about the Gospel of John. Our series is entitled, The Son of God, Understanding the Gospel of John, Part 1 a verse-by-verse audio commentary, part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. And as we begin this amazing and majestic book, let's remember that it's not just written as a biography of Jesus. It actually has a very powerful agenda. It is telling the story of Jesus to persuade you on his amazing, singular identity. Yes, the Gospel of John stands apart from everything else in Scripture, including the other three Gospels. The first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are what we call synoptic Gospels. They basically are similar. They see in the same direction, looking at pretty much the actions of Jesus, whereas the Gospel of John is different because it's not so much focusing on the actions of Jesus, though there's plenty of action in it, but more so on the identity of Jesus and the words of Jesus. He does several very powerful discourses or messages, teaching messages, that help people to learn more about the King and the coming kingdom of God, which, of course, will have no end. And so this is our new series called The Son of God, Understanding the Gospel of John, Part 1. What I'd like to do is just read to you from the very end, or nearly the very end, of John's Gospel. It's in chapter 20, and it's in verses 30 and 31. And it reads like this. Again, John 20, verses 30 and 31. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life, in his name. So what John is saying here, that Jesus did many, many things that are not chronicled, but the things that are chronicled, the things that are written, are done so that you may be inspired enough to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So of course, when we talk about Jesus, we're speaking of the man from Nazareth, and that it says he is the Christ, Christ, of course, is Greek, Christos, for the anointed one. The Hebrew, of course, is Messiah. 
And as we've often learned throughout many of the series, the term Messiah is not just talking about any anointed one, not just any prophet or priest or king. It's talking about the one and only, the anointed of the anointed, higher than any other. And as I often share, only Jesus of Nazareth can fulfill that wonderful description of being the Christ or the Messiah, because he is anointed. He's anointed like Moses to be a prophet. He's anointed a priest to be like Melchizedek. He's anointed a king to be like David. And let's never forget, Jesus was born a king. He died a king. He's coming back as a king. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. So we will learn these kind of wonderful truths in the Gospel of John. So we're called the Son of God, understanding the Gospel of John, part one, as our series. And we're going to learn all kinds of wonderful things. For example, why we know this Gospel was originally written with the Jewish people in mind. We're going to also learn how it is different from other Gospels. We're going to see the emphasis put on the identity of Jesus and how John really builds the case for his divinity as well as his messiahship. We're going to learn about the seven discourses, the seven signs, the seven I am statements. It's all going to be very inspiring. Look forward to your company as we continue to learn this great book. I want to now proceed with the introduction to the Gospel of John, because it will change your life, and I believe that this series will help, because it will be very strongly based on the words of God himself, and we will be going through this verse by verse. In fact, it'll be so big, that's why at least it's going to be two parts. All right, so first of all, the Greek name for John, because this gospel was written originally in Greek. So it's called Kata Ionin, which means Yahweh is gracious. Kata Ionin, or Yohanan in Hebrew. That, of course, was his original name because he was a Jewish man, as was the Savior, as well as the other 11 disciples. Now, the author of the Gospel of John. John is referred to as the beloved disciple or the disciple whom Jesus loved. And indeed, he did. Now, the father of John is known as Zebedee. Also, John being Zebedee's son, was called the Son of Thunder. The story goes that when John and his brother James obeyed the call of Jesus to follow him, they got up, left their nets and their boats to go after Jesus. They left their father, Zebedee, behind. They left the hired help behind. Now, the Gospels don't say anything of the kind, but Jesus calls him Son of Thunder, as well as the same for James. Could it be that Zebedee was having a tantrum when his boys walked off the job in order to follow Jesus. We can only speculate. John also has a famous mother, Salome. So his father is Zebedee, mother Salome, brother of James. Now Salome was the sister of Mary, therefore the aunt of Jesus, far as we can tell. Before becoming a disciple of Jesus, John was a follower of John the Baptist. Now John the beloved disciple, is mentioned three times in the book of Acts. That's chapters 3, verse 1, chapter 4, 13, chapter 8, 
14. In addition to the Gospel of John, John the beloved disciple wrote three what we call general epistles. They're not very long. 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. Then the grand finale of them all was the book known as the Apocalypse or the book of Revelation, which John wrote on the island of Patmos in the Aegean Sea just off the Turkish coast when he was an old man, exiled because of his testimony of Jesus. As far as we know, he got back onto the mainland very quickly. After writing the Gospel of John and the exile to Patmos for his testimony of Jesus, Revelation 1.9, he's released, returned to the mainland. He probably lived in Ephesus. Now, he had a protege. This is John. His name was Polycarp. And Polycarp had a protege named Irenaeus. These are what we call early church fathers. Now, Irenaeus said that John lived until the time of the Roman emperor Trajan. Trajan was the emperor in the years A.D. 98 to 117, in other words, 19 years. And it's possibly that John was the only one of the original 12 disciples to die of natural causes instead of martyrdom and to live to a ripe old age. So he is an amazing man, and no doubt we're only getting part of the great story he had to tell, but I believe we got the most important part, the part inspired by the Holy Spirit, the part that basically leads us to understanding the true nature of Jesus. He's not just a wise moral teacher, a philosopher, a mere human alone. He is very human, but as we teach in Orthodox, small o, Christianity, he is fully God and fully man. And the reason we could say it is not just the testimony of Scripture. The fact is, he rose from the dead. Or as it says in Romans 1.4, he was declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection of the dead. So now that we know who the author is, let's focus on the purpose of the Gospel of John. As I read earlier, and I'll repeat it again, John 20 and verse 31, the purpose of the gospel, but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye may have life through his name. All right, so we have already covered that, but I'll again summarize. The gospel of John is written to tell and prove that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the son of David, but simultaneously, concurrently, he is also the son of God. Now, this principle of son of David, son of God, is well told when the archangel Gabriel appeared to Mary in Nazareth to tell her she was going to be the mother of Christ. And it's interesting what the angel Gabriel told him. In fact, let me read to you from Luke 1, verses 31 to 33. Again, the purpose is to nail down clearly the true identity of Jesus of Nazareth. So Gabriel told Mary these words, again in Luke 1, 31 to 33, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So, do you see? Here, in just 
three verses, even two verses, it affirms the identity of the coming king, the Messiah, is that he is the son of the highest, and yet he's also called the son of David, or his father David. In other words, he's both God, but he is going to be a king on earth. Born the king, died a king, returning to this planet, a king. This is the nature of Jesus. So, John 20, verse 31, summarizes the purpose of the Gospel of John. It was written to inspire belief that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. Messiah, of course, meaning son of David, who will sit on David's throne forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And simultaneously, he will be the son of God, fully God, fully man. When you believe these transformational truths, you will have, quote, life through his name. Not only will you live an abundant life this side of heaven, you will live eternally with God forever and ever. John's gospel is not, strictly speaking, a biography as much as it is an apologetic. An apologetic not to apologize for anything, but to give a reasoned defense of the faith, to persuade on the messiahship and divinity of Jesus of Nazareth through miracles, statements, discourses, and witnesses, John builds an irrefutable case that Jesus is the Christ, and he is the long-awaited Christ or Messiah of Israel, as well as indeed the Savior of the world. This, friends, is the purpose of the Gospel of John. With that, what is the theme of this great Gospel? The theme of the Gospel of John is simple. Jesus is the Christ, Son of David, human, a king, and he is the Son of God. He is divine. The theme of John is the true identity of Jesus, and that responding in faith to him will bring a full, abundant, and eternal life. Both strong faith and inexcusable unbelief are virtually next-door neighbors standing side by side. This was particularly noted in the holy city of Jerusalem. It may be a holy city, but boy, it was a very hard-hearted religious city that couldn't even recognize the spiritual, even if it tripped over it. When a miracle, for example, was done in Galilee, there was generally a positive and faithful response. Yet, when a miracle was done in the Jerusalem region, for example, at the Pool of Bethesda, or the Pool of Siloam, or at Bethany, there was generally a mixed response. Some people believed, and yet, breathtakingly, some people did not even in the face of a miracle. Think about it. How can this be? Well, ultimately, it's an issue of blindness. Because when you're blind, you can have all the evidence right under your nose, but if you can't see it, you can't see it. And there is so much spiritual blindness, even and especially among those who may be religious, but they haven't been born again. As we're going to learn in John chapter 3 and verse 3, you have to be born again. And the purpose of born again is not just that you can have salvation, which of course is the principal thing, but that you can see the kingdom of God. Because that's what Jesus said to Nicodemus, that unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So one of the purposes of coming to Jesus is to be cured of our spiritual blindness. And the new birth being born again, being born from above, 
or spiritual regeneration. All these terms mean the same thing. Born again causes you to see the things of the kingdom. Now, to bolster the case of the twinfold identity of Jesus, son of David, son of God, John will offer some very, very amazing and interesting proofs. For example, proofs of Christ's divinity and messiahship. He'll offer seven miracles, although Jesus did more than seven, but the ones that are written are strategic messianic miracles. He will offer seven I am statements. I am is the divine name, and it's amazing how Jesus uses these statements to great effect. He will also offer seven discourses, like on the new birth or the water of life or things like that. And if that isn't enough, Jesus will offer five credible witnesses to his true identity. John, the miracles, the heavenly father, the scriptures, and even Moses. So there you have it. Seven signs, seven I am statements, seven discourses, and five witnesses. All these point to the same thing, that Jesus is exactly who he claimed to be, David's son, David's heir, soon coming king, as well as the son of God. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.